Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Highland Canine Training, LLC. To all of my fellow LE Canine guys, Highland Canine should definitely be on your short list of vendors when it comes time to adding to your unit or replacing one of your dogs. Highland Canine offers green and pre-trained single and dual purpose dogs if you train in-house. But most importantly, they offer a full-service canine academy with canine handlers courses, canine instructors courses, specialized advanced canine training, and canine supervisors courses. Jason and his staff of instructors have been there and done that in this game. They run these classes year-round, so go to their awesome website at www.tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. That's Tactical Police, the letter K, the number 9, training.com, and make your unit better. I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM Suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at almk9equipment.com that's the letter K, the number 9, or arno, A-R-N-O at almsuits.com Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off your first order tell him you heard it here now go get bit this episode of working dog radio is brought to you by hits training and consulting next year august 13th through the 16th in chicago illinois the number one police canine conference in the world hands down the most amazing instructors there wait till you see the vendor show if you thought last year was big you haven't seen anything there's going to be vendors from every facet of the canine industry giveaways everything you can think of great times during the day great times at night ted and i'll be there working dog radio booth gonna have a good time hits 2019 don't wait register now hits canine.net truescentcanine.com that's the letter k the number nine truescentcanine.com actual explosive odors suspended in silica not a pseudo hit them up truescentcanine.com Hey guys, Eric here. I want to take a second to talk to you about one of our newest sponsors, that is Ray Allen. You know, I worked at a police department. One thing that police administrators like is they like to do one purchase order for all your stuff. They like to go to one place to get everything they can. RayAllen.com is that place for canine. They have everything from heat alarms to muzzles, first aid, harnesses, uh, bowls, all the way down to the smallest little thing, kennels, kennel supplies, everything you can need for a kennel. Even kennel flooring they have in there. RayAllen.com, right there in Colorado Springs, man. American made. 70 years they've been in business. 70 years supplying canine units, sport guys, Joe Schmo, regular guys like me now. You know, I'm retired. I need a place to go get my stuff. RayAllen.com. Here's the best part is they're giving us a discount code. Working Dog Radio. Put it in. Check out. Get 10% off your order. RayAllen.com. R-A-Y. 
A-L-L-E-N.com. All right. We are back. Working Dog Radio Broadcasting the Bite. I am Ted Summers. Normally, Eric and I do this from uh, way across the country. Eric's up in Canton, Ohio. I am in Tulsa, Oklahoma. However, today, we're in the same room together looking at each other. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is a special rant episode and uh, kind of summing up some of the stuff that's happened in the last couple of episodes with some of the guests, like some of the common themes. So, training facility right across the street with all the pet dogs, all of the, the daycare kids. So, we're almost at a month on retirement. When did you retire? November 2nd? November 2nd. Yeah. November 2nd, 2018. So, you're, I guess, just from having talking to you every day, it seems like you're busier now when you were training police dogs full time. Yeah, you know, before I was doing it, getting paid during the daytime, you know, and I would do the business dogs uh, at night and on the weekends. But, yeah, now I'm getting, you know, I'm getting up at 5, 36 o'clock in the morning and getting home at 8, 9 o'clock at night. The only difference is now I can leave in the middle of the day and go to the gym. I don't have to go to the gym so early in the morning and uh, occasionally I'll have a beer at lunch. So no, I do that all the time. Sometimes in the morning. I mean, sometimes I'll have a beer for <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> yeah, so excellent. So uh, you're enjoying retirement? Yeah, I'm enjoying not working for the police department and I'm working for myself. I'm, I'm again, crazy busy, but, you know, everything is, is for me. It's my own schedule. I just got tired of answering to people, you know. Yeah, you know, we've interviewed in the last, what, three, inter- three interviews we've done. We've had Justin Rigney, we had Aaron Taylor, and we had Cameron Ford. Well, three of the four. And all those guys are former handlers, former law enforcement, just like you are and have since come to the other side. And that was kind of a big deal when we talked to Aaron and to Cameron both. And everybody kind of had the same thing to say is that they loved being a canine handler, but didn't, and they loved the work. They just didn't like the job, I guess. Yeah, you know, nobody, I left early. So I invested in the pension, you know, I get a retirement. I left about two and a half years early because I got tired of working for other folks that controlled my destiny and through grudges and paybacks and givebacks and bull crap things that they want to do. The difference between law enforcement and working anywhere else is that so say they don't like you at, at your other job they just they'll, they either fire you or do whatever if they don't like you in law enforcement the rank bullies or the guys up in the top, upper echelon they'll like try to destroy you and destroy your life and criminal stuff investigate just trying to make you look bad like go really go after you because they can there's no other job that they can do that so I got tired of risking my future in the hands of lesser people in my opinion yeah and you know that's kind of a common theme I think and you know being on this side and dealing with a lot of as a private person and dealing with a lot of administrators you know I see guys that are super well supported like a lot of my teams and then I see some of the guys that are you know they want to buy their own dog and they want to buy their way into canine we've had that entire conversation before which is another rant all in of itself but you know and it's a I think that a lot of these guys that are in positions of authority are about to retire and they're still stuck from the 1980s and they're still stuck in the night and the liability which is all horseshit they're all you know they see the canine unit as a cash suck and they see it as nothing more than a walking liability yeah so right now all of police departments across the country the the chiefs and the bosses all got hired in the early 90s some maybe a little bit earlier than that some maybe a little bit later but all from that early 1992 three four five range like that those guys all need to go they're just they just really need to go they've made it things miserable uh we 
we have a supervisor that hates canine. His response was because the canine handlers wore a t-shirt that he didn't like. They, that t-shirt was worn before he even worked here. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous that the pettiness and the grudges and the bullshit. Nobody leaves law enforcement. I shouldn't say nobody. Most people leave law enforcement because of petty bullshit, administrative crap. The PTSD stuff is real. I mean, there's people that definitely get that from everything they've experienced. The majority of people like me that leave early, check out a little bit early. Me and Aaron and Justin, it's all administrative crap, always. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, and, and to be honest, that's kind of the reason we started this whole project, you know, coming up on a year, just after the first of the year. You know, the podcast will be a uh, be close to a year old. You know, we're going to do about 50 or 35 episodes this, this first uh, calendar year. And, um, you know, one of the reasons we actually started this was not every body is well supported. They don't have access to information. They don't have access to a lot of things. And, and for better or for worse, a lot of it, we talked about it too, the social media policy for a lot of departments is really restrictive. So guys are limited in their support and then they're limited in their access to information. And that's sort of where this kind of started. And it feels like it's coming full circle almost at a year. Yeah. And that's the, uh, that's the thing, like the social media stuff. That's because the guys in charge all got hired in the early nineties. I, I was one of those dudes, except for I'm not an idiot. I realized that social media is how you grow things, how you get support, how things change, how you can affect your community, how you can affect your relationship with that community is through what you put on social media. We still have these archaic dudes here that I don't like technology and I don't like electronics. I don't understand this fucking phone thing and all this other crap. They still carry a revolver? Yeah, if they could, some of them would. <laughs> Again, these, we're talking about people who shoot once a year, if that, you know. Wow. Uh, they're pretty, it's pretty pathetic. But until that group of people from the early 90s all retire and get out, it's going to continue to be that way. And those people are holding on and hanging in there. And they're, they're on their 34th and 35th year on the job. Leave, man. Get the hell out of here. But they can't because they're all greedy pieces of shit. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a very common, you know, I hear that a lot with um, with a lot of our handlers too and uh, that don't get supported by admins and it's very much and it's not just greedy with money it's greedy with time it's greedy with, with resources so you'll have pet projects within departments where you know it's super important to the under sheriff or super important to the sheriff or whoever it is and canine gets thrown away unless it's a department where it's super important to the to one of the admins and then canine gets supported well you know it's weird when we were in hits we talked to several of those guys that you know weren't even were never a canine handler well like we interviewed one on the podcast so there was another one that uh, was like man you know we've listened to all your stuff and it's great what you're doing this guy's like I've never handled a dog I was I'm a sergeant and I'm over the canine unit and I got no idea what I'm doing at all yeah that's that's very common um, you know my time here in Canton the the last since 2010 I late 2010 I got named as the head trainer I had to work a dog and do all that I left in 13 to go to do the Navy special warfare stuff came back in 14 and came in as a full-time trainer. I've had the same two supervisors that entire time, a sergeant and lieutenant. They were great. Those guys were great to me, great to work for, good bosses. Neither of them were canine guys, but they understood to leave me alone too and let me 
do what I was supposed to do. Between them and the union president, we were able to fend off a lot of administrative meddling. And um, because we don't have anybody in the upper echelon that were canine handlers, we still, I've said it several times, it's 2018. If we have to, if we have to convince an administration of the value of a canine, I, I don't know what the hell's going on around the country. Yeah. And no, that, that's a very, yeah, for sure. Those aren't young supervisors that say that. that. The people we have to explain that to are still those idiots in the late 80s and early 90s. Those guys that, you know, still spew the liability bull crap, fake news, false narrative BS that we hear all the time. We heard, we've had, I've heard sheriffs say every, you know, every time you have a dog, you end up giving out millions of dollars in lawsuits. None of that's true. Yeah. None of that happened. They just get pissed off because of the, the uh, FLS say nationwide that you have to pay canine handlers at least an hour a day of some sort. That came from Canton. That's a case from here. And I'll say they've been doing that right ever since. But you still have agencies that want to fight that and don't want to and they'll threaten you with the you know getting rid of your canine program i tell everybody listen if you work at a place especially a sheriff's office and they're refusing to to compensate you for for care and maintenance of your dog and they're threatening you with dismantling the dog program and you're too afraid to fight it keep track of every day that you're a handler and at the end sue them and you'll win in five minutes nobody has beaten the flsa nobody it's yeah. one it, the, the handlers have won every single time keep track of that shit and then when you leave sue them they'll settle buy a boat and name it after the fucking sheriff that's what I mean <laughs> yeah for I, sure I know someone who did that that's why I'm there <laughs> shit that, oh man uh, that happened with one of our handlers uh, you know the dog they they didn't want to pay and he's he's having to deal with it currently and uh, that's a pain in the ass but yeah so what are we going to talk about you want to talk about schools yeah I, I had this conversation with someone the other day and I wanted to talk to this goes right to the canine handlers and, the, and their their bosses and their trainers. So everybody knows a big part of canine being canine handlers doing school sniffs, right? These uh, drug sniffs at, at high schools and middle schools. I don't know about Oklahoma, but in Ohio and probably most places, it's a state law that every school has to do a full lockdown drill twice a year. But those aren't the point of those is because of Columbine and the other school shootings. Right. It's it's to lockdown, practice your lockdown drill and, you know, work on that, barricade in your room, whatever it is your your style is. But what happens is the administrators are lazy. And so rather than do that, they lo- they want to put a um, school sniff, a drug sniff with it. So they're getting their lockdown in and then they're getting their all their lockers and everything sniffed. Conveniently, and everybody can attest to this in this business, they always want to do it in December before Christmas break because they <laughs> forgot. Yeah. And then they always want to do it in the spring before the end of the school year because they forgot. Yeah. So they're insisting on doing it, doing it then. <clears throat> so what was happening is with that, you know, with everyone has cell phones now, what we were seeing is we would go do these school sniffs every time now the kids would start texting their parents that there's a shooter in the school, that they're on lockdown, that they saw an armed guy, they hear gunfire, they see people down, we, we get that a lot. Holy shit. Com- complete bullshit, right? What they saw was a policeman and a dog, and they heard a dog barking, but they started panicking and telling their parents something is going on at the school, and there are people dead. I saw bodies. It happens all the time. So I started getting... It was a real bad one at one of the local high schools. We would we would waste the morning on almost every Wednesday during the school year doing school sniffs because we have so many guys that come to us, and they, everybody wants these... Their districts want these school sniffs. So... <clears throat> 
What they would do is they that started happening because uh, I could go in there with 15, 18, 20 dogs and knock that thing out in minutes. Oh, yeah. But it was a total full takeover. A We're coming in, shutting everything down, bringing all these dogs in there. It's, it's, it's a big ordeal. And we're finding that um, A, all that stuff was going on with the cell phones, and B, the schools really weren't looking for the drugs. The, you would give them a locker that maybe you hit on, and they might look at it, they might not. So then one time we did one, and um, people started texting their parents that there was shooter in the school. The parents started, it was the inner city school, started bum rushing the school. It ended up into a nightmare. Holy shit. So the chief at the time called me and just motherfucked me up one side and down the other. And I'm like, hey, I don't understand why you're pissed. We've done school sniffs several times a year for three decades now. And we have school resource officers. Everything's all set up. We always do this. My supervisors know. Everybody knows that we do these stupid things. But you guys are getting tired of getting yelled at by parents. So I said, I tell you what, buddy. We won't do them anymore. And he didn't give a shit. He's like, that's fine with me. So what we started doing is... um, I. I will no longer, and I hope I hope the association going forward will stick with us. We will no longer do these big, massive takeover school sniffs. We were going to these schools, and some of these schools warn the parents the the week before. So if you're listening to me right now, and you're a canine handler or a trainer or a boss, and you find out that the schools warn them, you should never, ever go back to them ever again. Never help them. Ever. Fuck them. They don't want to find drugs in their school. Right. So they're not actually searching the lockers. So I started doing that years ago. If I found out that you weren't searching the lockers, or if I watched and you weren't searching them, I never came back to your school. Never. The other thing they needed to do was, they it was all for show. They were having to sniff entire banks of lockers that were empty because the students were allowed to take their backpacks into class. So I tried to talk all these all the school security <coughs> safety guys into make the students use the locker, right? Don't let them take the, the extra guns and the magazines and all that, that's in the book bags. Make them put the book bags in the locker. The kid doesn't need a book bag. Carry your fucking books. If you have to add, have to add five or 10 seconds or a minute or whatever between class changes so kids can go back and forth to the locker, then do it. But stop letting them take all their stuff into the classroom. So what we started doing is now, we'll come in real low key. We force the school resource officer to do his freaking job. Gather intelligence. Johnny Rotten Crotch is, bringing in dope okay so then we call us we'll send one or two dogs real super low key give us a bank of lockers that are Johnny's lockers in there don't tell us which one it is pick some cars in the parking lot around his tell us to search these four or five cars don't tell us which one is his or we can even pull his entire classroom out of the classroom making them leave all of their books in there and then go in there and search it low key no one is texting their parents no one is making up fake bullshit that that people are dead in the hallways they're not getting warned no, they're not getting warned, and we're getting about 85% getting actual dope. We're getting the kid to admit that they sniff, that they smoked weed or smoked dope or used cocaine right. on the way to school. So it's much more successful. But what handlers have to realize, and trainers and bosses, you do not work for the school systems. You're, you do not work for them. Don't let them put pressure on you for these bullshit, waste of time school sniffs. They are an absolute waste of your training day and resources. 
resources. If they were really trying to do it, they would actually do some intel work and set it up so you could sneak in and hit them. Make them use the lockdowns for what they're supposed to be for, to to do the gun drills. Right. Now, there is one school that's they have handlers in our, in our group that they will actually do the full gun lockdown, everything. Practice all of it the way they're supposed to. Then, while they're locked down, then they'll bring the dogs in. That's not a problem. They've warned the stu- they've warned the parents ahead of time that there is a gun lockdown drill, so they already know. So the kids just sit in there longer while the dogs come through, and that kind of eliminates you know that right. bullshit. But this these days of going in here and these big massive lockdowns and and all that is is some school administrator or some school resource officer acting like a big shot. Look what I can do. I can get six, eight, ten. 15 dogs to come in here. Sheriffs are real bad about it because they think it fucking gets them votes. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares that you're sniffing their kid's school. They don't. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, when we've done some for private schools, they're really not interested in finding anything. And when they do find something, the reason they like private people is because I'm not a mandatory reporter and um, they prefer to try to take care of it internally. Nothing sucks. Your Nothing fucks up your application to Harvard, like getting popped for prescription pills. Right. Or, yeah. yeah. So, or something. yeah. So uh, we've seen that a lot, too. And yeah. And that's a and that's something that is always a pain in the ass. And normally uh, a couple of my guys, what they'll do is when they're. They're just out running. Um, if they're going to be over by the school, they'll call their Texas school resource officer and there's a stop by in between classes and just run eight or ten walk like eight or ten banks of lockers, find an empty one, put a blank out if they don't find or put a hideout if they don't find anything, run the dog and then put him up yeah. and run it down as their training log. So they, you know, some of my guys that are in um, some counties that are not huge, hugely populated, will do that just as like their normal daily training thing and the obedience like during the like at the football field or whatever else while they're just goofing off so and I bet they get they have a higher success rate but you know there was a school district here kind of near us that when I was a handler we found out was sending letters home then we found out there was a teacher that was putting an amnesty box on her desk she would tell her students I'm going to turn the dogs are here I'm going to turn my back you have like a minute to, to put some things in there an amnesty box I'll throw it away they'll never know that type of crap if not we're going to let them come in here and sniff you. What the fuck? Are you fucking kidding me, man? Get that. What a waste of time. So when I took over, we stopped doing that high school. And we didn't do it for years. And I told them, they kept asking. I'm telling them, nope, 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 nope. Finally, a buddy of mine that runs the local FBI task force, he's an FBI guy, called me. I'm at this meeting. They're really wanting it. And I said, you motherfucker, you're, you're just, you're playing on my relationship. Because I he, he knows I'm going to do things for guys. So we had to work out a whole thing with them. The school wasn't allowed to know about it, except for the, the superintendent and one principal. No one else was allowed to know we were coming. And we, uh, we made them let us use their football locker room after. Afterwards, you know, uh, so that worked out pretty well. Um, so we so we did that twice for them, and then they got a dog. That that department, I'm like, good. <laughs> you can do your own fucking sniffs now because I'm not doing them anymore. Speaking of dogs, there was a video going around in schools. Oh God, what is it? It's been about three or four weeks. It's right after the first of the month, and I got tagged about a hundred fucking times. It was going on Instagram and on Facebook, um, and it was this clown out in California that was turning a dog loose in an active shooter situation and running around in a classroom full of fucking kids in a hidden sleeve and I mean did you see that shit? Yeah it was pretty bad man um, and you know listen so I get it that guy's trying to get into the market he's trying to 
you know, sell dogs and trying to maybe come up with a solution for active shooters. It's unrealistic. It's ridiculous. Um, the whole thing he had set up was pretty stupid. No, I agree. And, you know, that's the deal. Like, an active shooter call is not a fucking dog call. <laughs> like, it is. I mean, I, and I, I mean, you were on SWAT. I mean, that is not how you guys fucking handle that. No. And <clears throat> there's not a, um, this is my opinion. People have asked my opinion about having dogs in schools if the dog in the school will prevent active shooters. Almost all of the schools that there have been active shooters at have had an armed policeman working there. The students knew it and they don't care. So what do you think they're going to care about a dog? No. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, we saw that in in Florida too. I mean, that dude was, you know, that that Broward County guy was armed. Mm -hmm. And I mean... They had several. They did did nothing. Columbine had school resource guys. Those guys knew the school resource. They planned on killing him. So they don't care about your dog. So the dog is not a prevention to a school shooting. The the only thing it could do would be if you showed up as a canine and you got a a bead on the guy and you could send the dog on the guy, he's probably going to kill your dog, but maybe you get lucky and he doesn't. Maybe you use him as a distraction and then you smoke the dude. But that gun gun runs like that are gun calls, not dog calls. Right. And that's something that, I don't know, I got tagged it a hundred times and I tried to stay kind of quiet about it. I didn't really openly talk about it. This is fucking ridiculous. And, you know, I mean, we, we had a, a department close to us or a school resource officer wanted a dog for the school. I was like, yeah, that's fine. And he was like, I want dual purpose. I was like, nope, we're not putting a bite dog in the school. I'm not doing it. And, but, um, <laughs> wow, awesome. yeah, he did not need a dog, but yeah, I was like, no, we're not going to fucking put, put a dual purpose dog in a school with a bunch of middle schoolers and a bunch of fucking high school kids. Uh, yeah. So what else are we going to do? Um, I don't know. Uh, we can talk about a lot of things. I still have, you know, I have a lot of complaining about fucking law enforcement. I can talk <laughs> about that forever. And, you know, law enforcement is, we talked about this with Aaron and them. It's, it's not the job that it used to be. It's not a great, in my opinion, I would steer most people away from it because, I mean, crime is still there. If you want to run and gun, you have, you can possibly do that. But most places anymore aren't letting you do that. And everybody's just sucking everybody off and being so politically correct and, and hosing their own guys for what? I don't get it. Like, if, if this department, the chief cannot be fired. Unless he does something criminally, cannot be fired. But god damn, do they sure fucking act like they can be. And and just pussy rollover bullshit that they do. Some people um, need to be told no. Like, no, we're not picking up garbage at your house because you're too fucking lazy to do it. No, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. We're, we're cops and we're going to out here and put people in jail. They, you know, dope dealers and criminals and all that other stuff. When we used to, I used to work the street. Now, granted, it was a one shift, one beat band-aid. But I put as many fucking idiots in jail as I could because they're not out here killing and they're not out here robbing and they're raping nobody and they're not selling any dope on the street if they're sitting in the county jail. And I would arrest them for any fucking thing I could every shift nonstop. And all the years I worked the road, when I was working, there was very little homicides. I'm not saying that, that I was like some super cop that prevented homicides all the time, but crime went way down if the criminals were sitting in jail. But now everybody wants to kiss everyone's ass and hold everyone's hand and our old chief came up with this bullshit unit called the Priorities Bureau. We called the Peanut Butter Bureau, the PB. They didn't do shit. They did nothing, man. And 
while he was chief and we had those that Pryor's Bureau, the most two most violent years in the history of our city. We, the police department, killed three or four people in one year. We've never, ever had to do that, ever. And it's because of this gloves, kid gloves, hands off bullshit way of doing policing. So it's not a, it's not good anymore. Getting in there to help people is a noble idea. It is a, it is really is a noble concept. It just is a fallacy. You don't get to do it. You know what I mean? The money sucks. Health insurance is about the only reason why to do it, which is not a good reason to be in a career like that. I tell everybody who's in law enforcement, what you need to do while you're in there is try to come up with a a, a skill set, a trade. It has nothing to do with law enforcement or is ancillary, like the canine stuff. Working security at a bullshit local college is not a fucking skill set. Don't rely on that crap. Go out, learn a craft, learn a trade. Besides the fact that it gives you something to do if you're getting screwed over by your department, which is a good chance that it's going to happen, especially as you get older and are making more money there. They definitely seem to want to mess with you there. But um, it gives you something, a hobby, outside of the uniform. Don't get caught. Working, you end up working a million extra jobs. You end up being in your pajamas or your uniform, and you'll burn out. You know, you got to come up with a different thing. Be ready to bounce, especially when <clears throat> one thing in police agencies is they they play they have bosses because they have rank. They're rank bullies, and they will bully their employees because they don't like you, whether you have done anything to them or not. They just have personal grudges, and once they get to a certain level of authority, they're gonna exercise those grudges as much as possible and um, that's when you might need to to bounce even if you're right and they're wrong they have the the power and the influence you don't and you you need to be able to bounce if you need to why, why be miserable why let these these freaking people uh, control your life you know it, it, it can be really shitty man um, I used to have a good time with a lot of the guys we had a lot of fun and then some supervisor would come in and just fuck it all up <laughs> Fuck. And they're almost usually terrible cops. Lesser cops than you are. You know, I had a hell of a career, man. I was involved in a lot of serious fucking crime, you know, solving stuff and shootings and all kinds of things that I've been involved in. I was still treated like a piece of shit by a couple of major brass because they didn't like me for because they weren't me because they couldn't do what me and some of the other guys did. Boy, they love to pass judgment on that. And then they who they pick and choose to like is hilarious to me. You know what I mean? Don't be an ass kisser. If you're an ass kisser, man, you're just, I, I got no fucking respect for you. Yeah, that's, uh, and everyone asks me, because I've, you know, I've never been, I've never a cop, I've never been in the military, and uh, everyone's like, oh, you should do reserve. I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, don't. <laughs> I have zero desire to want to play the politics or do anything. I'm good where I'm at, and I like my little bubble. I like my little dog bubble, and, you know, that's what we do well, and that's what Scott and I do. It, Scott was both, though. Scott was a Green Beret, and Scott was... Um, SWAT team in a fairly a very large city and did was on an undercover narcotics unit and DEA task force and that kind of stuff so but so it's it's uh and I hear that a lot but if you're listening don't get discouraged yeah. <laughs> continue to continue to uh run dogs continue to run find people bite people and do your job I mean because at the end of the day, I mean, there's another video floating around now of these three dudes. Did you see that one? It's three guys sitting there. Uh, they're in prison. 
Well, yeah, I saw it today. Yeah, and, you know, they're talking about the plan that they have when a cop's walking up to the car and how they plan on either fighting or killing or whatever it is. And, you know, when we were, you know, in Washington and we were interviewing uh, Aaron, you know, there you were, like you said, I mean, there's some fucking monsters there. And there are, those dudes are out there. I mean, there are, and when we were in New York, I mean, we dealt with some people that uh, are in places that there are guys that are fucking monsters and you can't be hands off with those people you just can't and I, I, I hate to say it but at sometimes and you know and I think you've said this before that you would that sometimes administrators it seems like they would almost rather have a police officer get killed or injured than have to deal with the fallout of an officer involved shooting whether it's right or wrong yeah I you know listen those guys are out there working the road the street every day you know you guys are really my heroes you really are I did it for a long time one of the reasons why I left is I'm pretty sure in my opinion the new chief was going to move me out of the training position and where my seniority fell there's a chance I was going to be back on the road in uniform and I wasn't the least bit interested in that I'd done my time I've been involved in a lot of shit I was a bit of a shit magnet as a uh, officer and as a handler and I got into a lot of stuff so I'm good to go back on the road at 49 almost 50 years old and get involved in yet another shooting or a bunch of other shit that happened and I I just had done my time and it was time for other people to deal with it but if you truly love the job that's great just be prepared because it doesn't matter for some folks it does not matter how much you love the job and what a good job you do if a boss decides he doesn't like you for any reason maybe because you're good he can just fuck with you he can not just fuck with you as far as put you on get you on a different shift or maybe a different partner or whatever he can screw with you financially they try to like destroy your life if they can and because of what because i don't like you I mean, get the hell out of here. If if you worked at FedEx, you wouldn't have to deal with that. The guy doesn't like you. Maybe fucks with you a little bit and, and denies you, you know, your your uh, comp day or some crap like that. That's about it. But you know, these other departments uh, or these these bosses in police work because they're rank bullies. They will try to destroy you, and and I don't understand it. And that comes to another point that I've and this is something I live my life by, as a policeman. You. As especially as a policeman, it's it's you guys. It really is you guys against everybody else, including the administration in your own department. What you should not be doing is being a rat, punk-ass bitch. If you are a fucking rat, and I don't mean covering up crimes that, that a cop did. Hopefully you never see that. I'm talking guys ratting on dudes for maybe they called off sick and then they saw them at a restaurant. Or ratting on them for um, driving too fast or doing something stupid. Or I can't fucking guys are ratting on other dudes. Stop. Quit being a fucking rat. It will get you nowhere. Nowhere. Remember, if you're a boss and you like it that these dudes rat, if they rat to you, they will rat on you. I was about to say, yeah. yeah it's no different than informants. If they will inform for you, they will inform on you. So have some fucking integrity. Don't be a bitch. Because I'm telling you, if you're a rat, you're a low, low fucking form of life in this job. And I can't fucking stand it. And, you know, I went out of my way in my career to, I've never, never did that. I help guys out of more fucking crap in their careers, in this unit especially. And in the end, I had guys ratting on me for stuff. Got my own guys. And it, it actually really broke my heart. Not just upset me or, or pissed me off. Fucking broke my heart 
that guys would do that to me, considering I would never. I, I, I house some fucking secrets, some guys' fucking serious skeletons in my fucking brain and never told anybody. I'll, I'll give you a quick example. We had a chief of police here who I hated not. I wished would some bad things would befall this individual. <laughs> he was a bad, bad guy. And I got uh, into a case with a, uh, an excited delirium case where I got into a fight with this naked dude and he died in the fight. We, we got done fighting. I got up and he didn't. Oh, that's the one we talked about on Ritland's podcast, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. He, he died. I got sued and all this other stuff. Well, the chief at the time tried to charge me with murder and it was because I was on the union board I mean I had a captain tell me hey the chief said I finally got one of them fucking union guys can you imagine that because I was on the union board and we hated each other you know that's fucked up but I knew a secret about that fucking guy that would have destroyed his life ruined his life and I never fucking told nobody never fucking even when he was trying to charge me with murder I never fucking told anybody that that's the way I always live my life and that's the way I always fucking live my career and then to have guys turn on me for for nothing I I don't I still don't know why I still don't know what the point of it was but I I left here with a pretty bitter taste in my mouth man you know it's not just the admins and the guys you work with too I mean you guys had a thing recently uh, with somebody fairly well known in the industry that uh, caused some problems and um, you know which is you know the unfortunate side which I think is part of the reason of you guys whether they have such a strict social media policy in some places and you know all it takes to hem somebody up is to lodge a complaint sometimes they're unfounded sometimes they're not but yeah law enforcement is the only job where you can call in and complain on something I did when I wasn't at work that wasn't criminal or anything that was just something you didn't like and I could get in trouble for that and shouldn't, it's bullshit. Uh, I'll give you a great, great story. We have a guy, uh, he doesn't even work here anymore, was um, gonna be in a wedding. And he went to the tuxedo shop and they fucked up everything. He ended up getting into an argument with the, he wasn't on duty by the way, he was off duty. He got into an argument with the shop owner and told him to fuck off or called him a motherfucker. There was some something along those lines. And the guy, because he knew he was a cop, called his, the police department, filed a charge on, filed a complaint on. Hey, guy got a letter, let a reprimand out of it. For, I'm on my own time. I can tell someone to fuck off if I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I would fight and fight and fight against that stuff and fight. You are not ever telling me what I can do off duty that's not re- directly related to my job. Right. You know, most departments, and this is where the run-in I was having is, you have to file a piece of paperwork asking for outside employment. The spirit of that originally was if you're going to work an extra job, they had to approve you working in their uniform, representing them. You know, maybe there's a strip club, they don't want you working in a strip club, or, you know, whatever. Uh, and I get that, they outside employment. But now they have to approve uh, your business. If you have a business like me, or other guys you have a business, they have to approve that, all kinds of other things. And if they don't like you, they just say no. Or they conveniently lose the paperwork uh, years later. Or they just decide one day, nah, you're, you're not gonna do that. And it's one of the reasons I left when I did. My business was getting so busy that it was getting down to the point where I needed to make a decision either way, but they were going to make that decision for me. And even though I had approval from the mayor's office to, to have my business, they were going to tell me I wasn't allowed. Hell, they, this podcast where we don't get paid, they tried to screw with me about it. They tried to tell me I couldn't do this. I'm like, fuck you. You're not going to tell me what I can do off duty, especially if I'm not getting paid for it. 
Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, I mean, we've had, when we have people on in the past, guys, like we're getting ready to have somebody on that's uh, in a uh, state interdiction unit. Uh, he's on a bureau of uh, narcotics, uh, and he's one of their head canine guys. And when we have him on, we're going to have to be super careful, and uh, we're going to have to, you know, make sure we don't say where he's from or anything anything like that. And a lot of it is, you know, just to play the game, to play the politics. And... Um, or so he doesn't have to, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Yeah. Cause, and that's something we always want to, you know, make sure that we do. And <laughs> why we don't record these live, because sometimes, like the one of the episodes, where we had to go back and edit a bunch of stuff out. Yeah, but again, we made a t-shirt out of it, too. So. We did. Uh, we're going to take a break for a second. We'll be back. Eric here. Like many trainers, Ted and I go through toys with the hard, super chewer dogs we typically have in our kennel. So we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high-drive working dogs. That's where USA Canine Dog Toys Excel. Their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound. They have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys, all made to last and are very affordable. All the toys are military themed. Go to the website www.usa-k9.com. Check out the grenade-shaped toys. They got the cherry bomb. They got a lot of other great things over there, military themed toys. Here's the best part. A portion of all USA K9 proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations. And that's freaking badass. www.usa-k9.com. Use the promo code K9PRO. Or check them out on Instagram at USAK9DogToys. This one's for the explosive handlers out there. HME is a real problem, whether it be abroad or homeborn here in the United States. The thing is, handling HME is extremely dangerous and difficult because of that you guys don't get to train on it near enough but it is an actual problem so the guys at true scent canine that's true scent the letter k the number nine have made it easy for us trainers and handlers to handle this stuff without danger they do tatp hmtd rdx tnt PETN, ammonium nitrate, and potassium chlorate suspended in a silica. Now, they also give you a distractor odor so that you can proof the dogs off of the background odor that it's suspended in. The trick here is that it's actual odor suspended in this base material so that you don't have to worry about the dogs not alerting on actual odor. They've done research and they've done field tests and the dogs that are routinely imprinted on this odor then imprint on actual odor in the field. So you don't have to worry about it and you don't have to worry about blowing yourself up, which is awesome. So hit them up. True scent canine. That's the letter K, the number nine dot com. They got everything you need. Since 1987, Bill Heiser and Southern Coast Canine have been providing better training, better service, and better dogs. Bill personally hand-selects every dog in Europe to ensure that the quality is always up to his standards. Every employee at Southern Coast Canine is charged with being a guardian of their value. Those values guide both their business and personal relationship. They believe that their dedication to the fundamental tenets of honesty, integrity, and fair business dealings ensure a legacy of success. So when you or your canine unit is looking for that dog the one that will perform at the highest level be sure to give southern coast canine a call at 877-903-DOGS that's 877-903-3647 let them know that eric and ted from working dog radio sent you 
Let's take a second and talk about canine training seminars. You definitely don't want to shortchange yourself when it comes to this type of stuff. That's why you should join Eric and I at HITS in Chicago this year, the week of August 13th to the 16th. That's 2019. We know training budgets are always tight, especially for canine. And that's why HITS goes the extra mile for you guys. Now, let's be honest. There's no other canine training conference on the planet like HITS that has a depth and breadth of instructors. HITS has now gotten so large and so successful that the 2019 conference will be held in the largest convention center in North America. That's Chicago's McCormick Place. There's no secret as to why these guys are so successful. It's because canine handlers want to learn from canine trainers who are police dogs themselves. That's because real world experience matters when it comes to these type of police dog trainers. The guys who run HITS are still working police dogs just like the guys listening to this podcast. HITS is the real deal because it's run by real current police dog handlers and trainers. HITS has had 1,100 people in attendance this year in Washington, D.C. That was actual numbers. Eric and I were there. I promise. It was busy. You don't want to miss your chance to be part of that kind of training and more importantly, that kind of networking and information exchange. Visit them on the web and register early to save some money. You just got to go to hitscanine.net to register and save big time. There's also information there about discounts for the hotel and where the hotel's at. Hits has three full days of training with five open classrooms going on all at the same time. Hits always does a survey at the end of the conference to take suggestions for new training classes for the coming year. Your core classes in detector training, techniques, drug case, case law updates, patrol tactics, training techniques for real world deployments just keep getting better and better and better. And then you have the multiple classes about bomb detection that's taught by different instructors to give you different ideas. And the list doesn't stop there. Handlers who work dog in jails and in prisons have classes set up specifically for them to address specific issues for those environments. And they want to learn from guys that are doing that actively now. And they are. What if you want to learn about canine nutrition or emergency first aid? They got it covered. What if you're a canine supervisor who doesn't even work a dog and never has, but you need to know how to run a unit better? They've got some of the best in the industry that are going to be there running classes specifically for that. So go check out what's new. HitsK9.net, the letter K, the number nine. Another reason why Hits is the most popular canine training conference is the vendors. There's going to be a hundred vendor booths, all the best canine gear on the market. Come join us at Hits and meet the guys who make the stuff you use every single day at work. Our vendors make coming to Hits an experience like nothing else. There's raffles every day that you don't even have to sign up for. And they gave away, I think it last count, 40 grand worth of stuff last year while we were there. And it was fantastic. So hit them up hits the letter k the number nine dot net Hey guys, Eric here. I want to take a second to talk to you about one of our newest sponsors that is Ray Allen. You know, I worked at a police department. One thing that police administrators like is they like to do one purchase order for all your stuff. They like to go to one place to get everything they can. RayAllen.com is that place for canine. They have everything from heat alarms to muzzles, first aid, harnesses, bowls, all the way down to the smallest little thing. Kennels, kennel supplies, everything you could need for kennels, even kennel flooring they have in there rayallen.com right there in colorado springs man american made 70 years they've been in business 70 years supplying canine units sport guys joe schmo regular guys like me now you know i'm retired i need a place to go get my stuff rayallen.com here's the best part is they're giving us a discount code working dog radio put it in checkout get 10 percent off your order rayallen.com r-a-y-a-l-l-e-n.com yeah, all right. When Eric and I are in the same room together, which doesn't happen all that often, and we've been talking about retirement and coming to the other side, trying to give current handlers some morale to stay mm. there <laughs> and how to deal with shit. And if you don't, then how to come back to the other side. So uh, that so we posted a thing on the high-risk deployment website the other day. Oh, yeah. And it was just a picture from one of our 
one of our um, uh, scenarios that we did. I think it was the picture with JJ getting bit in the nuts. There were, no, it was the human, oh, it, was, it was the drum circle. Yeah, the handler drum, drum circle. circle. We had a guy got on there with a fake name and fake accounts, and it turns out he has a couple of them, and was just just bashing us this whole fucking out debate again. Yeah. This whole idiotic out debate. We've discussed this numerous times on on our podcast, on Ritland's podcast, on some of the other on ones. Nick and Joe's, we had an entire one conversation, so. Yeah. And usually the guys, again, I'll say this again, the guys that are arguing the fact that your dog should have a robotic out in all situations, and that's the only way you should get your dog off, are guys that are not handlers, or are handlers that never had a bite, or trainers that never had a bite, and don't understand the difficulty that can happen in weird situations, or why you should not verbally out your dog, especially from distance without controlling the dog's head. So in the in the handler drum circle, if you go, if you're a patron of ours on patreon.com, we have tons of videos up there for that. Oh yeah. And uh, that might be the only place we have them. I think maybe we put, put like on, 12 up there. Yeah. We put one on Instagram, I think back in the day. Yeah. But, um, and it's just a chaotic situation for the dog. Now the situation we're putting the dog in really isn't so much about them biting through noise, although we do see it affects them. It's it's about showing the handler that there may be a time that you your dog is not going to hear you and is not going to out. At the end of one of those, we had an experienced handler say, my dog has a really good out until just now. The dog couldn't hear him. He couldn't do it. So you have to come up with an alternative means. Break stick, handcuffs, choke off. You have to come up with a means that you practice and that you use. And this idiot got on there the other day, man, and was going on and on about how we're teaching bullshit tactics how everybody we're all going to get sued that uh, you shouldn't basically shouldn't be biting anybody and if you do your your dog should out for sure there's never going to be a situation ever that your dog won't hear you and won't be able to out and won't you know and and it's not noisy either that bite work is never done in noise (laughs) and I, you got. I didn't get into the debate with him again. I, I don't do that. But you got into a bunch of stuff with that person. I went back and forth with him a little bit, and you know that's kind of the thing. And you know, one thing I always say is you never confuse a dog that won't out with one that's never been asked to. And one thing I yell at my handlers a lot is you know. The only time we correct dogs is when we know they heard them and we know they're blowing us off, willful noncompliance. And the trick there is, you know, if the dog's 100 yards away and you tell him to sit and he's in a down, you got to be 100% sure that he heard you. And, you know, Bradshaw's famous for saying you don't got to yell at them because they got big ears and they can hear, which is true. Mm-hmm. But there are times where, I mean, uh, we had a handler get a bite. Uh, right in front of a patrol car with siren on and those are fucking loud yeah. and I mean you can't hear anything the guy's not moving or just kept moving kept fighting everything else and I mean if they can't hear you they can't do it I mean same thing so when you see you know a lift off or when you see a break off done correctly in my opinion handler doesn't say anything other than let me cuff you up and I'll take the dog off and they come in they take the dog off it's a done deal no big deal but I don't understand this fucking obsession with verbal outs like I don't I don't get it I, I, I so don't get the fucking and that's why and everybody I, I joke online and everything else and I say outs are overrated because it's literally one of the easiest behaviors to teach I mean 
I teach it. Uh, we have a lot of dogs in Arkansas, and they have a pretty stringent, kind of like Ohio does, a pretty stringent patrol certification for the state. And I call it the Ohio or the uh, the Arkansas out because I do it so often for these Arkansas departments. They have to have an out. To, they just do. I mean, they always do. They always have to have it. And I'm, I, you know, that's why. And I had one. I had a dog come to me that we didn't train. I got an out and a recall in four days. This guy handled this dog for four years. Hmm. Didn't have an out. And I'm like, hey, we, and we got it done in four days. And that's why I say outs are overrated. As a police handler and as a trainer, an out is literally the only behavior that at will I can force on a dog at any point in time that I want through various means. I can't make the motherfucker sit. I can't make him track. I can't make him bite. But I can sure as shit make him out. When people obsessively and it's not just civilians that are like oh this dog shit out it's fucking napwata guys or whoever that is like that, that obsessively focus on for fucking whatever reason and out and you know outs get fucked because you have to have two people that are on the same page and you have to have two humans that have good timing and have the same that are in the same that are in the same ballpark at least and that's how outs get fucked up and I don't I'll never understand it. So when I start, you know, talking with guys that I don't normally train with about that, they're like, well, yeah, I guess we've never really, and these are guys that have probably never had bites that have never done, you know, that have never been through chaotic situations to have a dog that may not necessarily want to bite in the first place. So, you know, I, I just don't get it. And, you know, whenever the, the liability thing is such a fucking misnomer and every dickhead that's like, oh, you're going to get sued. You're going to get sued no matter fucking what. Somebody go find me. A case. I don't care if it's city, state, local, or federal, appellate level, or Supreme Court that directly addresses the verbal out. I'll sit and wait. Mm-hmm. In fact, the ones that do talk about control, and they talk about it's a reasonable. It's it's completely reasonable. It's neither unconstitutional nor unreasonable to man to leave the dog on a bite until you have somebody detained, and then manually remove them. Yeah. Is the actual wording of the case? It's from an it's an Indiana case, and there's one from California, and there's a couple of other ones. But everyone's like, oh, well, they see these settlements, like you know, they see the settlements from there was one in Washington State, and that was a bad bite. I mean, and you know, people, I think, confuse the fact that these departments are getting sued and settling and they're suing over use of force. They're not suing over the dog not fucking outing. The dog should have never probably been biting in the fucking first place, which yeah. is the one what happened in Washington. It wasn't because the dog didn't out and people see that and they're like, well, they got sued. They, they had to pay $300,000 because the dog didn't out. And I'm like, no, they paid $300,000 and the motherfucker shouldn't bit him in the first place. Right. And I think that's kind of a, and that's the, you know, that's what I tell my handlers and I tell admins all the time. And I'm like, the dog is a, is just like a gun. It's just like a car. It's anything else. He's a tool and ultimately the handler decides when and where he bites and if they fuck that up you're probably going to get sued which is why we train the handlers too so <laughs> you know the liability thing just fucking floors me and you know we have police handlers actively spewing the same bullshit saying oh you're going to get sued if you don't nothing looks cleaner and I have a friend that's a civil liability guy he's an attorney and you know I showed him a, a video of a manual release with a, with a uh, break stick I showed him an actual video. I'm like, what about that looks out of control to you? Oh, the, he didn't say out. I'm like, who gives a fuck? He walks up. He takes him off. It was well within policy. It's within all mm. case law. Nothing's wrong there. Didn't get mm. rebit. It's as clean as it could have been. People just fucking lose their goddamn minds, and I don't know why. I don't get it. You know, we've gone over this before, and I'll say it one last time. It's the last fucking time <laughs> on any podcast I'm addressing the fucking out 
all of our dogs, in, especially in Ohio, and, and pretty much if you certify to nap on anywhere else, you have to do verbal out. That's fine. We all teach it. We all do it. But if you think that you're going to be doing a bunch of verbal outs on the street, you're an idiot. You are not. Not that your dog won't do it. Some might not. But that it is unbelievably not the best practice. It no. is dangerous. You will get your backup guy bit or you will bite the guy again and again and again. And you will do three to four use of force reports. Or in then, your case, six. Six and one. Yeah. And then what? And then look, what looks worse? The fact you walked up and break sticked and popped the dog off in two seconds or that you thought you'd get fancy and out and then the guy moves and he gets bit and then he moves and he gets bit again. And I, I brought that up to guys and they go, well, I have so much control. My dog would just out and lay there and he will not re-engage that guy. Uh, bet your fucking ass he will. Guarantee you we can get that dog to bite that guy. You want to see? Yeah, with very minimal effort. <laughs> want to see? Then what? Then you're on duty going, no, no, shit. No, no, fucker. No, no, damn it. Out. Yeah. And then he bites again. And then you try it again. And then your backup rushes up and he bites that fucking guy. That was one of the things that we talked about when we did the uh, the brown hole thing up in Albany. When guys would send the dog uh, to chase the rabbit, to chase Josh down the hall, which is cool. But they've got to understand that, you know, they're going to, the dog may be on that grip for, you know, six, eight, ten minutes by himself. And that's what I tell handlers all the time. Like, once they're bit, they're not going to get any less bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, in the framework of officer safety, you don't have to run and chase the brown hole down the alleyway or down the, down the, corridor you can hand clear all the rooms and that's a choice you made and it's a choice that they made as well and they're not going to get any less bit they're not going to get any more bit and once they're on they're on and it is what it is and i don't i don't understand the obsession i really don't and you can talk to your blue in the face with some of these fucking people even canine handlers i mean if you guys are listening to this i swear to god if somebody send me an email if you are listening to this and you disagree with me i would love to have you on i will do it and if you're an attorney and you hear this and you think you want to talk about it Please, God, send me an, in, in, an email at host at workingdogradio.com. I will have you on. I'll do it. Yeah. We will do it. We will interview you, and you can make the case. Please do. But yeah. you're gonna. But you gotta be know. You gotta know that I will have stacked up all of the paperwork and all of precedent and all of case law stacked up that shows you that you're fucking wrong. So, I'll somebody inbox me, please. I dare you. So things are getting um, busy for us uh, as far as what what 2019 is going to look like. Yeah. For the conferences that we're going to be doing. Um, oh, first of all, I'm going through my phone and looking at something. Alicia, fuck you and your turkey. <laughs> that was fucking great. Photoshop. That was With awesome. Me and Ted on the fucking head of the turkeys. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> um, that was pretty funny. But uh, so talk about HRD real quick, Ted. So HRD is a company that we started um, with Ray Murphy. Ray came through my uh, police trainers course at uh, Torchlight Canine. And Ray was with me um, off and on for about eight months. And um, it, you know, there's a, there's somebody else doing a similar thing too. I mean, you know, Paul Ludwig is somebody we need to have on the podcast, kind of does a similar deal through Iron Dog um, Canine. But it's a scenario based training. And, you know, I just call it training. It's how we train all the time anyway, um, with the exception of getting ready for some certifications. But HRD seeks to try and spread. 
this type of training to handlers that may not a be experienced in that or training groups that need some sort of i guess um some inspiration as to how to train and what to look for uh, more than anything else. And, you know, Bradshaw talks about it. We talk about it. Paul Ludwig talks about it. Fucking everybody that does this on a large scale talks about it all the time. There's a difference between certification training and there's a difference between scenario-based training. And there is a formula, you know, there is an entire, you know, process of doing it, why we do it, what we specifically work on, you know, as the trainer and the decoys are all on the same page. There is a way to do it um bradshaw actually did a podcast uh the controlled aggression one talks an entire podcast just about setting up some of these things setting up some of the scenarios how you go about it how you go about you know deciding what you need to work on and everything else you know and once the dogs have a distinct foundation of being able to do these individual little exercises we try and put everything together to make the training as realistic as possible the problem is a lot of times i think guys get kind of sucked into just doing the same thing over and over and over again and um the dogs fall off for sure um the handling falls off the dogs fall off and it uh the deployment suffer the dogs generally don't they lose intensity they lose several amounts of things so what the hrd program is designed to do is we go all over the country um you know you can have one you can have us you can host us to do a three-day and we focus on setting these skills up and how to maintain these skills what skills are needed so for example a vehicle extraction pretty straightforward it's a felony stop you can do it with a leash you can do it with a long line you can do it without one you can do it with multiple people in the car you, there's so many permutations that you can do in training and a lot of times guys don't have experience actually doing that on a call or have only done it one or twice if at all and they need some some inspiration as to how to handle it so that when they do have to fucking do it they know what is it's what it's supposed to look like how it's supposed to go down what options they have and what options they don't have and you know this is far from you know there's some fucking dudes on the east coast that were running their fucking mouths about um something else but you got to understand one of the guys is not even a fucking handler and he's a SWAT guy the other guy is a SWAT canine handler and you know those guys are in unique positions because they have all the resources they have all the fucking time in the world and one of them specifically that's what he does and so they it's difficult for them to I think understand that not every call is a fucking SWAT call and that was one of the main problems that they had with our scenario they didn't one didn't know all the thing from all they didn't have all the information about it and two they were like well we wouldn't go in there like that like sometimes you don't have that fucking option i mean you like not every call is a fucking swat call but it doesn't mean that your normal patrol handler can't incorporate correct tactics and correct training to be fucking safe which is what a lot of this is about and to prepare for that so you know the guys that train swat guys and special operations guys they're not drilling fucking targets at 30 yards all day they're doing movement and buildings shooting with live rounds they're doing shit that that their job entails now patrol guys have to be social workers they have to be canine handlers they have to be normal cops they have to do normal shit on top of everything else and so what hrd kind of tries to do is bridge the gap and bring them a little bit of inspiration and say this is what you need to be doing and these are the skills that you need to see and you know we set them up on a program and then try and reschedule to come back the following year and they have constant contact with myself or you or Ray or Scott or whoever so but yeah yeah we got a bunch uh, scheduled already um, 
February 25th through the 27th, we will be in San Antonio, Texas. Right now, I think that's the first one in 2019. Yep. That's kicking it off down in San Antonio. That'll be nice. February in San Antonio. I'll appreciate that. The next, tacos. Yeah, the next HRD seminar that we're doing is March 18th through the 20th in Castle Rock, Colorado. If you're anywhere near these these dates or these venues, um, get a hold of these people and um, check it out. H- or you can get on hrdpolicecanine.com where you can see our schedule and everything. Or you, I'm sure they have room for slots for people. And we got an, another one I just saw April 1st through the 3rd in, in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's uh, one of my departments. Bartlesville, Oklahoma is hosting nice. one. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. I've only ever driven through Oklahoma. It's hot, flat, and windy. Yeah, f- <laughs> fucking toll road sucks. <laughs> Ridiculous how much money it costs. Then we're popping over to Philadelphia. Philadelphia, PA, May 13th through the 15th for an HRD seminar. That's going to be a big one, I think. That uh, That's going to be crazy. Um, we have the facilities. I mean, it's got like a nine-story office building. They have a, a subway platform with, like, it's underground, all kinds of crazy shit that we're going to be able to do. Um, the guy that is hosting that, that those guys uh, have their shit together, and that should be a very good uh, seminar. We should have a lot of good hand and those guys have been super involved in the process and um, I think that if you're there or close to there that'll be uh, even if you're not a handler if you're like an admin or if you run a training group and your guys can't come this would be one to come to an audit spot too because I know there's a shitload of training groups around that area yeah March and then unrelated to HRD uh, we Ted and I are going to be at a bunch of things this year and we're going to take all of our recording equipment we'd like to do podcasts meet people you know do some good live interviews we've got the Mevo cameras are going to be doing some stuff the first one of those next year March 4th through the 6th is the Bravo 3 conference oh yeah Daytona yeah down in Daytona you know uh, the Tripwire Ops guys they kind of we kicked off with them last year right it was the first thing we went to after we started the podcast I think we'd done like two episodes and we ended up recording three or four there that were awesome yeah um, including with Pat and Olin and everything loved it but that's March 4th through the 6th so those of you who listened to the Cameron Ford episode Cameron announced uh, uh, yesterday or Friday, I think Thursday, Friday, he is now an employee of Tripwire Ops. Yeah, moving from California over to Pennsylvania, kind of stepping up the game over there on on the uh, canine side ex- with explosive detection. Excuse me, if you're an explosive dog handler, uh, check out man Tripwire Operations Group. They're doing good things, and it's March in Daytona, Florida. Yeah, I mean during spring break. Mar- yeah, March here in Ohio <laughs> sucks. I mean, we'll it's really bad. Danny from Southern Coast. <laughs> when I was a kid, March was spring. March is still winter now. It's pretty pretty <laughs> stupid. And then a, a big one that we're going to be involved in is April 23rd through the 25th in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Blue Line Canine Conference. Reading the uh, reading the list of instructors and classes there. That that's going to be a that's going to be a really big one. Don't know that that's a bring your dog conference. It's not. It's kind of. It's a. It's a classroom conference. Classroom, but it's going to be. It's going to be a big one. You know, our goal is continue to support and go to these conferences, the real ones, not the ones that are failing, not these bullshit magazine conferences anymore. Fuck the magazines. Fuck the magazines owners. Um, have some integrity. Go to some of these with some decent people, not scumbags, not criminals. Come where it's going to be law enforcement and law enforcement supporters and learn some stuff. Have a good time. Buy me and Ted drinks. That's a subliminal message. Buy me and Ted drinks. And um, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get you on air if you're an interesting person. If you're if you're a boring shitbag, don't bother. I, I don't want to talk to you. 
But uh, keep an eye on it, man. On Instagram and Facebook, all these things. Uh, the HRD, Bravo 3, Blue Line. Those. That's just the spring, man. We haven't even... Oh, right. shit. The big one, though, in August. Right, yeah. We're going to be at hits. Yeah, hits, man. Our hits... Our hits uh, appearance this year was awesome we had a great time met tons of good people it was nice you know because we live in a bubble here we're, we're two guys talking into microphones we don't it's not a live show you don't get immediate feedback it was nice to hear from people that they like what we were doing we had i got drunk as fuck a couple times <laughs> this year hits us in chicago yeah so if you've never been to chicago man it's it's a cool town man it's a not even town it's a big city but hits has signed on as one of our sponsors this um, episode the commercial the middle will be hits there is no bigger seminar in the country for law enforcement anymore than hits i couldn't believe the vendor show there last year and how many attendees they had how great the instruction was august 13th through 16th hits in chicago illinois uh keep an eye on that man hits canine.net is where you sign up for that don't wait till the last minute cops like you all do every policeman yeah, I, price goes up too yeah no shit keep an eye on that it'll make your administrator happy so uh oh real quick off the subject before we sign off uh the, the fucking guy that got arrested with the giant neck <laughs> yeah with all the memes yes. and shit that came out yes uh, what was your favorite man i saw <laughs> the one where uh oh man i'm trying to remember the best one i think the one where they put his face on like a Quaker oatmeal thing and they were like this Quaker throats was uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I thought Colin Kaepernick was whoever did oh, that yeah, one that was the Photoshop skills were really good yeah, on that true story whoever did that's a national hero yeah they did they did really good the uh, uh, Dr. Dre the Chronic album was, cover <laughs> yeah. that shit funny. got arrested again I saw did you see the video of him doing the, the like thank you or whatever oh yeah driving around with no shirt on everything. oh yeah you couldn't understand him. No, no, you, no, you. Not couldn't. one word that came out of his mouth that I understand. I think he thought he was, you know, t- talking prolific. the, the uh, <laughs> yeah, talking the human language, but um, yeah, it, it was, was pretty prolific. funny. Even though the the Photoshop skills weren't that great, one of the first ones that came out was uh, a Neckleback. That was pretty fucking. Funny. That was that was fantastic. Yes, and it just went downhill from there. Oh so. yeah. Anyways, anything you want to plug? No, we just uh, you can find me on Instagram. Tether underscore summers and the podcast is working underscore dog underscore radio and then torchlight canine letter k the number nine is the uh, kennel side too yeah don't forget patreon.com guys p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com that's our subscription site that we um, post like the videos we're talking about and a lot of the exclusive content ted and i have done some one-on-one skype sessions with guys uh, able to help them with some issues i talked to a lady who's you know learning some tracking stuff um and, and we one can of them is coming to training with me tomorrow on Tuesday night. Oh, see, Patreon members, man, if you're coming around, I have one coming here the first week of December to hang out and train with us. Um, those are just things that we offer in there. The, the cost is, is minimal. We have some t-shirt deals. We have some sick shirts coming out. They should be out by the time you hear this. Yeah, they're coming out on Patreon first at a ridiculously low price. Everyone else will pay full price for them. Patreon.com. Don't forget, we have some brand new sponsors, RayAllen.com. Everybody knows Ray Allen. Check them out. They got even more stuff on Ray Allen than, than I, I even could imagine for Canine. Oh, and there's a discount code. Yep. And one of my favorites, PatNolan.com. Uh, Pat's such a good dude, man. And he's, he's so knowledgeable. Everybody cites Pat and his work. PatNolan.com. I am will never be good enough to have EricStanford.com. <laughs> not for dog training. No, not for dog training. Yeah. <laughs> never going to be good enough. 
to have that. But uh, PatNolan.com. Anyways, follow me on Instagram, VanSK9. Um, I appreciate your time. And great to have you here, Ted. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it's been awesome. For sure. So, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye-bye. This episode of Working Dog Radio is being brought to you by Highland Canine Training, LLC, offering unbeatable police canine training and handler education programs that are science-based, research-driven, and some of the most progressive programs in the industry. Go check them out at www.tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. That's Tactical Police, the letter K, the number nine, training.com. Everybody loves stuff that goes boom. And we couldn't talk about stuff that goes boom without talking about Tripwire Operations Group. They're some of the best in the industry at stuff that makes loud noises and blows stuff up, specifically for guys in this podcast. For if you're handling an explosive dog or you're a trainer of an explosive dog, they have one of the most well-rounded, ready-to-go kits in the correct amounts and odors for any national standard or state standard certification. Head over to tripwireops.org to check it out. They're headquartered in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and a group of first responders dedicated to serving first responders. They believe that the most highly trained and prepared first responders create a safer America. They prepare you guys and other first responders and military to protect our country by providing products, services, training, and relationships which together no one else provides. In fact, they've done several HME large hide courses recently, which is a really valuable thing for explosives handlers because you're not really able to get that much odor in one place at one time safely. And these guys do a fantastic job. Be sure to head over to tripwireops.org and check out the full list of classes they've got going on and have contact info there on the website. Again, tripwireops.org. We love USA Canine Dog Toys. They are inspired by military objects and built to withstand the demanding use of professional canine handlers. USA Canine Dog Toys are made in the U.S. from a durable super chewer rubber compound. Ted and I love them and use them all the time. Go check them out at www.usa-k9.com. Use the promo code K9PRO. Your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D E G E dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co produced by Alicia Brandt.